Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I am Damon Martin. He is UFC legend Matt Brown. And Matt, we are in a world now where Ilya Taporia is the new featherweight champion of the world. Uh, Paulo Costa lost to Robert Whitaker. Murad Dwalishvili is the number one contender. Ian Gary won. We got a UFC 300 main event. Connor's still not back. <laughs> Lots of stuff going on. Well, Murad was really the number one contender before, too, right? He just cemented it stamp that shit i gotta you know that, that's the first thing i have to say about that because boy what a fucking killer huh absolutely dude when you when you pick up henderson Huda, walk him across the cage and slam him down on the ground again dude you get my respect right there yeah that's exactly it and then uh you know whitaker you know hey I, I, when we talk about whitaker you got to give him all the props in the world man i think a lot of people were kind of questioning where he was at after losing dtp <clears throat> DDP, Drakus Duplessis, or Duplessis. I don't even know how the fuck you say his name. DDP. Yeah. You know, I think there was a lot of questions about Whitaker, right? And he fucking went out and answered them the way only Robert Whitaker can do. Great fight, great performance. I want to ask real quick, though, about the main event because Ilya Taporia knocks out Alexander Volkanovsky. Listen, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, we can't sit here and it's like, no excuses. You take the fight, you accept the fight, it's on you. But I never really liked Volkanovski coming back so quickly from that knockout to Islam. And, I, you know, he certainly didn't make excuses. He said, hey, I got caught. Like, it's the sport. But there was that stat that came out over the weekend. I think it's 15 fighters from lightweight down. This doesn't count for welterweight and above. But from lightweight down, any champion 35 or over who has fought has lost a title fight. <laughs> So they're 0 and 15 now, and Volkanovski's the latest guy past 35, 34, 35, whatever the cutoff is. They're 0 yeah. and 15 now. I think there was one that had won at welterweight, which was Tyron Woodley over yeah. 35. <laughs> How wild is that, though? How wild is that? 
Yeah, it's crazy when you look at these stats. But, you know, these stats could be deceiving too, man. You know, I think that's a lot of times we put a little bit too much weight into those personally. Where, you know, a lot of times it's just there's a, there's always another bad motherfucker coming up out of the woodwork, you know? That, that's yeah. just what all it comes down to. I mean, you know, I, I think Volker is a great fighter. I don't think he's really lost a, a, a ton of steps or anything. But Ilya Tapori is just that fucking man. And they, I've read a lot about it on Twitter and stuff, and a lot of people were talking about. He's going to be a fucking superstar. He's he is, going dude. To be an absolute star. He says all the right things. He looks great. He fights like an animal. You know, he's got all the makings of like a, a true superstar in the sport. But I, I want to ask you, Matt, because you're a fighter, you know. Like, listen again, I'm not making excuses. Ilya Taporia knocked out Alexander Volkanovsky clean. Like it was a nasty, not folded him bad. But you know, Matt, you've been there on both sides of it. Been the knockout guy and been knocked out. You know how it goes. Like, I'm just, I don't, there's no right or wrong answer to this because some guys bounce back and it's like the knockout never happened. And then some guys bounce back and you say, man, you shouldn't have come back as quickly as you did. Do you think that played any factor whatsoever, him getting knocked out for the first time really ever? He'd never been knocked out before by Islam in October and then turn around and fight again in February. Like, it is a kind of a quick turnaround, especially when you're going through, like, he didn't really have a training camp. He got knocked out pretty clean and then turns around right in and goes into this. I don't, again, I, I'm just asking the question. I think it's very independent of each person, very specific to each person. I don't think you can make a broad statement saying, uh, you know, that that is the problem, right? Because it's more mental than it is physical, in my opinion, I believe. I've had concussions before and I've had, uh, and I've been knocked out once. Right. I, I guess technically when you get knocked out, that's a concussion, but you know, the, the concussion was way worse, but when I got knocked out, I came back and I was fine. Right. But when I got concussed in a fight, I didn't get knocked out, but I just got concussed. Like I was having serious problems for weeks after maybe months after I don't exactly remember, but I mean, there were serious problems. Like, uh, vertigo, falling over, um, slurred speech. You know, I would be speaking and then just stop and not know what I was talking about. Uh, you know, crazy things like that. And I noticed that, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember noticing a huge difference in the gym, but I got knocked out once and that was by cowboy motherfucker. And <laughs> <laughs> I came back with no problem, you know, but mentally it was harder to come back from the knockout. Right. So that's why I say, I don't, I don't know if you can necessarily make that broad statement because um, if, if he was mentally okay with it, then, you know, I don't think it probably caused a role or played a role, but if it was a, um, it could have meant like that hurts, right? Like you got fucking knocked out in front of millions of people, right? You had all these expectations in your head, right? And then you get knocked out. I can play a, a mental role in your training, I think. And maybe you're questioning yourself a little bit. Maybe you're a, a little bit safer, you know? Yeah. So when you say maybe come back too soon, it's not even like a physical thing. It could just be a mental thing. Are you mentally ready to deal with that fight again after getting knocked out? Because when you, and he'd never had it happen before. Like he'd never been knocked out. And I don't even really remember if he'd been knocked down in the UFC. And then to go from that to get head kick knocked out in a, you know, in a huge fight against Islam Makachev and then come back four months later, 
again, this may not be a physical thing. Like you said, it may just be a mental thing where you're just not quite there. Cause like that, I want to, I want to make sure like, certainly I'm not a doctor, um, but I want to be clear about this. And you know, this Matt, like not all knockouts are the same. Like the brain is a weird, is a weird uh, muscle. Like it is not, it is not a, a, a black and white issue with brain damage or knockouts and things like that. Like you always, we, we've talked about this story, but I've always bring this up. TJ Grant, remember TJ Grant, incredible lightweight fighter, getting ready to fight for the title, gets a heel across the head and a jujitsu practice never fought again. I've seen other guys get concussed, come back and become world beaters. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Like there's no pretty, like, you can't just say I'll take six months off. Six I months off I, is great, but that doesn't necessarily mean like that's not the answer. There's no, there's no perfect timeline. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even when you get concussed, there's no perfect uh, rehabilitation from that either. The recovery is very gray area ish. You know, it, like it's all over the place. Like I remember when I got concussed, I went to a, a, a doctor works for Ohio state. Like, you know, works with soccer players and, you know, a lot of uh, Ohio state players. Um, and the protocol that he had me do was completely different than when I went out to Colorado and I worked with a brain specialist. I think he was either a neurosurgeon or neurologist, something. And he had opened a gym specifically to help concussed patients. Right. And um, I made a little more than that too, but uh, it was an awesome gym. Um, the protocol was completely different. So that's a huge gray area too. Like we don't even know, not only do we not know the actual effects of it, we, a lot of times they can't even tell if you're actually concussed or if, you know, maybe your, you know, your brain is degenerated. There's all kinds of different things, you know, maybe you're tired that day, right? So you're not passing the test as much. Uh, maybe, you know, there's so many different factors. Um, and then, so they don't even understand the actual diagnosis and then they don't necessarily understand the recovery. Like it's all guesswork for the most part, you know, and I think the technology is coming a long way. And I think that, or the research and the understanding is coming a long way, but, uh, and I have a lot of knowledge about it. I studied the shit out of it. Like I was concussed as a motherfucker, you know, I was like, I got to learn what the hell I need to do here. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a such a gray area thing. But for me, again, I'll go back to it. Like the mental part is what is the part that I think is probably going to be the most affected. Um, and, and you know, Volkanovski's certainly a tough guy and a strong-willed, strong-minded guy. But that doesn't mean that you know, you know, that's what we see, right? That's you know, him speaking to us in media, seeing his Instagram or social media and all this shit we don't know what's really going on in a man's mind. Right. So, you know, there could be a lot of question marks in his head and um, you know, th there's just so much more to that, that I, and that's why I said, we, I don't think we can make a broad statement on that. Yeah. And, and you said like for you, when you go through a concussion for you, that was like, obviously you felt the physicality of that, right? Like you're dealing with, you know, vertigo and things like that. When you got better, when it went, when you got past it, I assume physically you just felt better, right? Like just like any other ailment, like when you break an arm, like it takes time, you eventually get back to full strength. But the mental hurdle of dealing with a knockout with the cowboy thing, you didn't get a concussion, but you said coming back from that was a mental hurdle you had to clear. And there's no right or wrong way or timeline that that's going to happen on. Like you can feel like some guys you just move on, but you said like, that's something you had to deal with. And there's no like, Oh, three months later, you're fine. Or, or your next fight, you're perfectly fine. Like there's no perfect answer to that. Right. Like mentally. 
a hundred percent. And, and I'll say this too. So when I got concussed, um, coming back from that wasn't that hard, right? I had to do the recovery, you know, it was hard dealing with the fact that I got concussed and there's a strong possibility that I haven't been the same since, you know, like, like just because we believe that we're recovered, like there's a chance that there's uh, underlying effects that are uh, causing problems potentially for the rest of your life that you don't even know about, you know, like your speech, I mean, you hear me saying like, oh, here, you know, sometimes, right. Or, or stop it in the middle of sentences and, and kind of, you know, things like that. Or, or maybe you, your reactions are 0.1 second slower. You don't, you're not going to uh, realize that, you know what I mean? You're not going to know it. Um, but maybe if, uh, you know, then you get knocked out again and you're, you know, you're still, you're, you're not like, well, my reactions are a tenth of a second slower, but you don't realize that. Right. But. Now the difference was when I got concussed, I was able to come back from that mentally easily. But again, when I got knocked out, that was a mental hurdle to come back from, you know, cause I'd never been knocked out before and Cowboys ass happened to fucking knock me out in a really brutal, vicious manner. <laughs> you know, like, like it doesn't, I see that highlight every now and then. Right. And I'm like, God, I look fucking, <laughs> it looks bad. bro. <laughs> you know? So so that mental hurdle also that's that's maybe a small little thing to, you know that, that's even a part of it like like i do see that highlight every now and then. like it's not like it's going to go away the ufc is going to use that or you know cowboys probably gonna use it people are going to use it i'm going to see it for the rest of my life so even though you get over that mental hurdle you got to see it again right yeah. whereas whereas again when i got concussed i mean i just lost a fight you know and it was like you know, it wasn't even a highlight. This is when I fought J Johnny Hendricks, you know, and he got a uh, takedown on me, slammed my head on the, on the mats. And, you know, I was seeing a double for the rest of the fight and, you know, it was like kind of wobbly and stuff. And, um, you know, it was like, okay, well you out wrestled me. Cool. You know, I'll, I'll figure that out and get back. And that's the, the that's the wild never, thing. Like if you would, you would, I, I think you, I didn't pretty, I'm, I'm positive. You told me the story about Johnny Hendricks before, but like that fight, you would never imagine you got a concussion. Like when you watch that fight, he was just uh, wrestling for three rounds, but like right. the cowboy, have you said cowboy gave you a concussion? Like, oh, I get it. You got, you got the knockout, but that's the, again, that goes back to the question of brain health. There's no easy answer. Like you actually got knocked out in the cowboy fight, but you didn't get a concussion. Johnny Hendricks wrestled you for 15 minutes, but because of the weird way you got taken down, your head hit the ground. You actually got a concussion. Again, that's kind of like the thing with Volkanovski. Like we, when I say, and when I say come back too soon, our immediate response is physically. Did he come back too soon? But you talk about the mental side. Was he mentally there? Like you can tell yourself you are, but when you get in that fight, you get in the fire again. You know, are you reacting the same? Are you flinching? Are you, you know, are you, are you looking at the, you know, because I know and sometimes. Realistically, the, realistically, a concussion can affect your physical. Again, you know, you don't even know it, right? Like your your, your brain might fire a, a one hundredth of a second slower. When you're fighting Ilya Taporia, that's all it, that's all it takes. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's so wild to think about that. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, again, Alexander Volkanovsky is an incredible fighter, and I'm quite sure he's going to recover from this. But you've been there, Matt. And again, I know I'm not sitting here saying like you're above Alexander Volkanovsky. He's been a champion, all these things. So, but like as a guy who's been around, and I consider you a very like I don't think you get nearly enough credit for how smart you are when you approach things in the sport. Like you study this shit, you know it very well. 
could you offer Volkanovski advice? Like, I know it's different for every fighter, but like the mentality of it, right? Like maybe you don't even realize it. Like maybe in the moment he's like, I'm good to go. I'm ready. And then you step in there and that just like, you get that one moment of hesitation, like, oh shit, I'm about to get hit. And then that one moment of hesitation is when you get knocked out again. Like, what did it take? Like, when did you finally get past the Cowboys? Thing? Like, did it take one fight, three months? Like, do you remember like what it took for you to finally like, kind of get back in that yeah. right headspace? Yeah, I could tell you my personal way that I got over it. And that was when um, my the way that I looked at fighting was a little bit different. And, and I started kind of going towards this a little bit before, but that really set it in stone where I stopped looking at each performance as sort of the end of the world, right? Like each performance, like that's all that fucking matters. And the way that I looked at look at it myself now is I'm a martial artist for life. And I'm going to be on the mats until the day that I die. This is what I do. The fight itself is a test of my martial art on that day, right? If I would have fought Cowboy, I'll tell you a story about that specific event. Um, I don't remember what it was. I was going through some shit mentally and I was having a rough time um, getting into that fight. And I remember backstage, I actually... Uh, uh, I got the Uber app and I actually called an Uber to come pick me up and I was going to leave because I want to go back to the hotel and eat a fucking pizza and drink a beer and chill. And I had the Uber ordered. And then, I don't know, 30 seconds later or a minute later, whatever, I started warming up. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, let's go fight, you know? <laughs> but, but I was just, you know, at that point, I was just like, dude, I just don't fucking care, you know? Like, like, I don't need to do this shit. And, you know, fighting's a scary thing. I'm sure there's a lot of stories of people do it. I mean, I've been to, you know, low-level fights where guys literally walk out from backstage, you know, like, and they, you know, they call the the opponent out and, or, or they'll call one fighter out and he comes out and then they call the next fighter out and he's nowhere to be found, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I've literally seen this, you know, so, you know, it's, it's the mental battle. So I started looking at it afterward as, you know, look, if I fought him 10 minutes before that, an hour before that, the day before, whatever, maybe I would have knocked him out. You know what I mean? So it, all that the fight is, is a picture in time, whereas I'm a martial artist for life. And this is just a picture in time where my martial art was on that day. It's sort of like what Bruce Lee talked about, right? Failure, or, or there's no defeat until you accept defeat, right? It's just a um, it's just a moment in time, right? And that's what happened at that moment. And, you know, let's get through it. And you know, get back on the mats and continue my uh, martial arts progression, you know, again, until the day that I die. So that's my personal way to give advice to someone else. Yeah. You know, I think you kind of need to know their own personal journey and the way their mind works and, you know, what, what makes them tick? Like, you know, why are they doing this to start with? Right. What is, what, what's their motivation? What's their goal? And, you know, for some people that goal is money, right? Like, like Floyd Mayweather, his goal was money and he did it right. <laughs> you know, for, for Connor, you know, it's probably money, right? There's others. Like I think like a Jim Miller, for instance, you know, I think he's like a martial artist, you know, and this is, you know, he's not in there specifically for money. Right. So the point is there's a lot of different personalities and you got to understand um, who they are, what makes them tick and things like that. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and again, we just don't know, right? Like some guys get caught and have a bad night and they never quite come back the same. And then you look at a guy like Max Holloway who got 
dominated by Volkanovski in their third fight. Like it was a he got beat down for five rounds, and everyone's like, "Well, this is the moment." Like Max has finally lost the step, and then he comes out there and beats. You know, yeah. then he comes out there, beats Arnold Allen. He beats the Korean Zombie, and now he's fighting J- Justin Gaethje. And it's almost like a, it's almost like we've never even remembered that happened because he's just that dude. Like he just ran into a buzzsaw named Alexander Volkanovski. It really had nothing to do with Max as much as Volkanovski was just a beast. Um, but we are very quick to judge, and I get it. Like, and again, I understand. Like, I'm with you. I don't think, I don't think um, stats tell the story. It drives me insane, and this is me as a football fan. It drives me insane when they say this team hasn't beaten this team for at home in like ten years. I'm like, but it's not the same team. Like, what happened with that team ten years ago? It's not the same quarterback, not the same coach. Like, it's not the same team. Like, what does that matter? So the stats don't matter as much, but I will say, like, we know this is a sport where, you know, father time, they always say father time is undefeated. That's true to a certain extent. Like, there is an expiration date, right? Like, you can't fight forever. Like, when Chuck Liddell was in his prime, that dude was a fucking savage killer. The Chuck Liddell that fought Tito Ortiz a couple years ago, I never want to see that again. Like, that was not the Chuck Liddell we all know and love. So... You know, is this the time for Volkanovski where he's just not going to be the same guy coming back? I don't know. I don't really have a problem with him getting a rematch. He was a longtime defending champion. Uh, if you're going to give it to somebody, give it. I'm, I'm not a big fan of immediate rematches, especially when you get knocked out, but I really wouldn't have a problem with it right now. I just hope if they do it, Volk takes the time to make sure he's ready, whether that's physically or mentally. I don't care which way you're pointing. Like if he says I need time physically or I just need time to reassess mentally, take the time you need. Don't rush back just because you want revenge or just because you want to get back at Ilya Tapori. Don't re- like as long as he's in the right space mentally and physically, I have no problem with him getting an immediate rematch, but don't rush back in there just because that's what's being offered to you. Right, and and we talk about this sometimes about who we're giving credit to, and it's like, okay, are we going to sit here and say that Volkanovski's over the hill, and <laughs> maybe he, you know, reactions are a little slower, he's not doing what he used to, whatever, or are we going to give credit where credit's due and say, look, Taporia just went out there and showed, he yeah. showed up and he performed, you know, yeah. and, and and that's where it's hard to say, you know what I mean? Like, like would Volkanovski beat him on his best day? Maybe not, but that. Dude, that's why we love his sport. And that's why betting on this sport is the hardest sport you can imagine to bet on, right? Because in football stats, you know, they they can pull out stats and you can kind of start putting some pieces together, right? Like like this dude, he runs for over 100 yards a game and this guy passed. You know, the stats in this sport don't mean shit, you know, because yeah. – and that's why – one of the reasons I don't like betting on it. It's like, it's like dude, I, I don't know what his training camp was like. I don't know if his – wife cheated on the week before he you know I don't, I don't know if you know he he was being like john jones and going on a coke binge the weekend <laughs> before he fights you know and if it's john jones just bet on him anyway but <laughs> yeah. but yeah. someone else like, you, know, you don't know what's going on yeah yeah Oh, man. Uh, yeah, and I, I think this was Ilya Tapori. I think this was because, you know, Volkanovski won the first round. He was doing well the second round. And Volkanovski just, or excuse me, Taporia just got it, man. He, he got it where he wanted him and against the cage, unloaded and knocked him out. I just think until it, I think Ilya Taporia is a bad motherfucker, is what I think it was. Um, you know what I mean? And again, but like I said, we don't know. Like, we'll see if Volkanovski gets the rematch. Can he adjust? Can he, can he get better? Can he fix it again? 
I never thought Volkanovski would beat Holloway. I thought Holloway was going to be the champion for the next five years. And then Volkanovski comes along and beats him. This could just be, you know, he could be, Ilya Taporia could be Volkanovski's, you know, Volkanovski to Holloway. Like, he could just be the guy who has his number. That's the sport. You just never know. And you're absolutely right. Like, stat, yeah. When I say some stats don't matter, like in football, you're right. But you can break down, like, this team sucks against the pass. You can probably start predicting, like, they're going to get lit up on the pass. That's not MMA. Like, you just, that night, that moment, that walkout, that backstage food, whatever it is, a million different things can play into why you have that one snapshot in time where you just don't see the punch coming or you don't see the kick coming and it's not your night. So, uh, yeah. That's a, but, and that's why it's so impressive when you see guys like Anderson Silva, the, you know, that one, what, 11, 12 title defenses. I mean, that's just fucking amazing, bro. Like, that means he showed up every time. You know, I mean, you know, you could talk about the level of competition, but, you know, that means he showed up every time and performed well. Um, you know, guys like Demetrius Johnson, and especially when we're wearing these four-ounce gloves. And you got, you know, guys like Anderson, right, who's mainly striking with people with four-ounce gloves. Like, it's not boxing, you know. <laughs> it's like there's so many factors that go into it, and which – brings me to something I don't think we ever really talk about on this show much, but dude, you know, who fucking impressed me over the weekend was Jonathan Haggerty. Oh yeah. Muay Thai was over in one championship, but God damn this guy. Holy shit. That, I mean, you know, he showed that he's got a lot of dog in him too. I don't know. Did you watch this fight? Yeah, he got he got knocked down, knocked down the first round, and then comes back and and wins it. Uh, incredible! I, I I've interviewed Jonathan before. Incredible fighter, incredible performer, and I've always been so impressed by the guys who go over in Muay Thai who are not Thai because I mean that's a Thai sport. Like you know what I mean? Like that is like you grow up in Thailand, you are literally born into this shit. And to see him go over and do what he's done, and he didn't, you know, he didn't, you know, his dad was teaching him when he was a kid, you know, he grew up in fucking England of all places. Uh, super impressive. Yeah, he got knocked down early, comes back, and fucking wins that fight. Super impressive. I used to be a lot more impressed with that same sort of thing, but I have a lot of friends that live in Thailand. I've never been there. I'm supposed to go there later this year, hopefully, um, hopefully in April, actually. I've never actually been there, but I got lots of people over there. Uh, one of my friends was telling me about how they train in Thailand, right? There's this mythical thing about how they train so hard. Like they live in the camp, they run, you know, three kilometers every morning, hit, et cetera, et cetera. Right. There's this big mythological thing. And kind of what he was telling me was like, like, you know, there are guys that do that. There's guys that push themselves and, you know, they want to really do something. They love the sport, all this. And he's like 99% of them though, like they just don't want to be in the fucking rice field. Like you're in a third world country, you know, like a third world, third world country, you know, <laughs> like, like these guys are living, like we can't even imagine. And he's like, they go on these three kilometer runs in the morning, you know, five in the morning. He said nine out of 10 of those guys are cutting through the jungle and smoking cigarettes <laughs> and, and then and taking the shortcut around and then coming back. And then, yeah, they're doing what they got to do to get through the fucking day. Yeah. So then when, when you take someone that grew up in that sport, you know, in any country, but they truly love the sport and have a, you know, real knack for it and everything. Now it's not so surprising when I think of it that way, that they go over to a, 
you know, the country of the sport and beat the guys. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Hagerty is a bad dude, man. He's uh, he's so impressive. And, yeah, seeing what he's done in his last couple of fights in particular, just like, damn, like that dude is, like, super good. Um, I want to ask you, getting back on, on, on 298, um, we mentioned Whitaker got a big win. Ian Gary got a big win. I know we both talked about him, but – Marab Dwalish really took out Henry Cejudo. Looks like he's going to finally get his title shot. But I want to ask you, Matt, we heard about this today. Ray Longo was talking about this on the Anakin Florian podcast. He said, before the fight, Marab is in the backstage in the warm-up room doing three five-minute rounds with Aljamain Sterling. And he's like, they're basically fucking fighting. Like, they're not, you know, this isn't like just like a warm-up, like let's, you know, go over-under on arms and things like that and hitting some pads. He's like, they're basically doing a three-round fight in the back to get ready. And then, you know, Marab goes out there and fights Henry Cejudo and, and Marab confirmed it. He's like, yeah, that, he's like, that's what we did. Like we went like, now nah, I'm quite sure they weren't like full on trying to knock each other out. That would be really, really stupid to do that right before a major fight. But I'm curious, uh, what's the, like, what's, well, like, what is your warm up routine, Matt? Like, have you ever gotten into a full on fucking fight before a fight? So it's funny. I've seen guys do that a lot, actually, especially, <laughs> Dude, I don't know how many times I've been punched in the face. I've probably done it to my coaches, too. Because when you're warmed up, getting warmed up in the back, like that's when you're the most nervous. You know, your nerves are up and it's like, okay, well, let's just flow to warm up. And, you know, the guy getting ready to fight, he's not fucking flowing. Like he's ready to fucking murder someone. You know, <laughs> you're trying to flow, he's trying to kill. Right. Uh, I see this all the time, actually. Now, to do three uh, five minute rounds, that's a little bit excessive, but I've seen a lot of excessive warmups too. Um, you know, I don't know what Aljamain was doing in that. You know, I'm guessing he was kind of letting them have success on things too. You know, I, I don't know how their sparring sessions are or anything. Maybe, you know, Marab just has success anyway or, or vice versa. I, I don't know. But, you know, the point is this isn't as uncommon as you would think <clears throat> other than the like three, five minute round part. I mean, that's, to me, that's a long warm up. My routine, I don't warm up like that at all. I used to. I used to warm up, and I see this still all the time, especially with amateurs and and rookies or or lower level guys. Like like they're warming up an hour before, sometimes hour and a half. Sometimes I've seen you know two three hours before, and you know they're starting to you know break sweats and stuff. For me, I'm pretty chilled. I've always kind of been that way. I mean, I used to warm up a little bit longer, but I'm pretty chilled the whole time. Like, dude, I'm gonna warm up like when I walk into a cage and there's a dude across from me that wants to kill me, like that's going to warm me up pretty good, you know? And, and sometimes you got to take a punch or two, but I, I think after, or, or, you know, throw some punches, you know, get some exchanges going and stuff. But uh, like you, you what you kind of start to realize, I think after you fought long enough is like your body knows what to do when it gets out there. Like you don't need to do anything in the back significant, you know, like everything. And, and that's part of, Again, my personal uh, way of looking as a like, it, by time I'm in the locker rooms, I'm so accepting of the way that this is gonna go that I'm just chill now. I'm like, dude, this is it. Like, you know what's gonna happen is gonna happen, and then I'm gonna go eat some pizza and fuck my girl and <laughs> drink some whiskey and you know, like, like it, it's all you know. Something's gonna come up tomorrow, bro. Yeah. So, but you said like, you're not used to seeing like three, five minute rounds, but the intense, like full on almost sparring session, that's actually more common than what we probably realize. 
I've seen it more often than I think we would think than than, than people would think. Um, and and again, usually it's not the the person helping them warm up that's doing it. It's the person getting ready to fight, and then they start going a little harder. And the usually the guy helping them warm up is like he's just protecting himself. He's like, I'm fucking throwing back, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, I'm shooting a shot a little bit harder or something, you know, because I'm not just gonna stand here and get my fucking ass kicked. Yeah, I mean, good for good for Marab. Like the dude seems like he could go for twenty rounds. I guess he wants to prove it by taking on Aljamain in the back and then beating Anderson out front. Uh, maybe that's what it takes. Like everyone's got their own routine, I guess. Like I said, I've been I've been backstage a few, you know, not like a bunch, but enough times to see like some guys, some guys just sit there and just kind of get warmed up. Other guys like to hit pads. I've seen some guys just go through grappling and wrestling sessions. Um, it's kind of like we were talking about with, like, the concussion thing. Like, there's no right or wrong answers. What you need, and maybe that's just what he needs. To get ready. I just thought everyone's like, holy shit, that's wild. And you probably, as you said, you probably don't see it for three rounds, like actual three, five time, you know, timed five minute rounds, but maybe that's just what they wanted to do. Yeah, it is very different than me. You know, I've had many people remark after uh, fights, different coaches, managers have been backstage with me and they're like, they're like, bro, you're so chilled. Like, I didn't even know you were about to go fight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, again, I'm just accepting of it. You know, it's like, dude, this is, what we do like we do this every day do you hit pads or do you just kind of like get ready and go yeah so i'll always do um so what a lot of guys want to do is like really warm up and here's what happens is i've done like hard warm-ups before because i would prefer to have a little sweat when i walk out there but when you get called you know you, everybody stops warming up and you get called you still got another 10 or 15 minutes before you're actually fighting right you stand in the in the and the 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 um what do you call it? the 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 walkway and then you stand in the tunnel and then you walk out and then you get in the grease and then you know if you're the first one out now you got to wait for him to come out if you're the second one out it goes a little faster um but then you're waiting for the announcements and you know whether sometimes there's like a stare down type thing or whatever and then you're finally fighting like this is a, a huge process you lose your sweat by then anyway so I'm like why should I even break a sweat so my idea or my goal is to get my nervous system fired up right i don't want my nervous system to be too low because i've also went in i've made the mistake of going in too low right and and you know not having my nervous system fired up at all right being maybe a little bit over accepting where i where i'm in there like like yeah hey, whatever happens happens <laughs> you know <laughs> which is uh you know probably just fighting too often or something you know just being too accepting right and so there is certainly a balance there. And I think everybody's got to find that balance for themselves. Marab obviously has the energy and the, the insanity and the mindset <laughs> to be able to do it that way. And if that's what works for him, I think that's fucking great, man. You know yeah. I mean? He's obviously got the cardio, like the dude's a fucking cardio machine. So if it works for him, it works for him. Yeah. Yeah. I get, again, there's no, it's no one size fits all. What works for him works for him, but may not work for Matt Brown. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what you need. And yeah, you're, you're right. Like you think about it, like say warming up, it's like you warm up and you just run out to the cage. Like you're warming up and then you're standing and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you get to the cage, you're waiting and waiting. waiting. So like by the time Bruce Buffer announced your name, you've probably been waiting 15 minutes. You're probably cooled down anyways from like the physicality side of it. Like you're not pouring sweat at that point. Yeah. And, and I've seen also guys, leave it all in in the locker room like like they blow it out hard as fuck and then they're tired by the time they get out there they're exhausted you know yeah. and obviously you know you're 
when the punches start getting thrown and shit, I mean, you know, your body comes back up and your adrenaline comes back, but you don't want to leave it back there, man. Like for me, I like, I, I want to save all the energy for when I get out there. Like, like I want my nervous system to be at its peak and my energy uh, properly focused, but I want the energy to be used against my opponent. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. When I heard that, I was like, I mean, again, every, you know, different strokes for different folks. What works for Marab works for Marab may not work for uh, Matt Brown or Ian Gary or anybody else. Like I said, everyone's got their own process of what they do. Uh, but people are like, that's wild. It is kind of wild. You know, three rounds, like that's probably not typical. Like, you know, going on full on sparring maybe more, but you typically don't see someone like, okay, let's time out five minute rounds and go like yeah, a full right, 15 right. minute fight. Like that's a little so wild. I've, I've definitely seen guys do five minute rounds. Um, but usually what happens is if they, they kind of start fighting, so to speak, or going really hard, like they're like, okay, calm down, like hit pads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, well, man. They train together every day, you know, so they know what each other are about to do. They do, they know the reactions and everything, so it's probably a little bit different for them, too. Yeah, well, Marab's getting his title shot, hopefully. I mean, nothing's guaranteed. I'd love to sit here and say, man, he's going to definitely get the winner of O'Malley and, and Cheeto, but Matt, you and I know how this sport works. It's all about timing and opportunity, and I hope he, go- I hope he does. I really hope he does, but... There's no guarantees, dude. I think we just all we all heard the story, you know, today and and last week talking about, you know, they were trying to find a UFC 300 main event. Leon Edwards was offered a bunch of different fights. None of them below Muhammad. Like there were all kinds of different fights that were potentially going to match match him up with. Uh, Isla Makachev was thrown out there. That name got thrown out there. Hamzat Chimaev got thrown out there. Uh, all these names, none of them were below because they were trying to make a big marquee, splashy fight to headline the card. So listen, man, like I 100% hope Marab's going to get the title shot, but who knows? Maybe O'Malley beats Cheeto, and then who knows? Maybe Volkanovski's like, I'm going to cut to bantamweight, and I want to fight O'Malley or some shit. Who knows? Well, you know, with that said, the we all love Bilal, man. We all know he deserves a title shot, but we also know as much as we love him, all due respect to this guy, the fans would be pissed as fuck if he was the main event of UFC 300. Like, you know, no disrespect, Mr. Muhammad, but that's just the way the world is right now, buddy. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
Well, I don't know that the reaction for what got announced was a whole lot better because uh, Alex Pereira against Jamal Hill, which I like that fight. Yeah, we said this last week. People are building this up too much in their freaking minds. Like, calm down. Like, the card's great. Like, I understand we all want it. Like, I said this to someone on Twitter. It's like, unless they announce George St. Pierre against Khabib Nurmagomedov, people are going to be pissed and let down by this main event because it got built up too much. I think you said it last week. Like, if they would have announced the main event and then the rest of the card – People would have been like, oh, well, the main event's not great, but boom, we got, you know, we got Gaethje and Holloway. We got this and that and that, you know, and everyone would be excited. They made the mistake of announcing everything and then just that one main event. So by that point, you built it up too much. You're like, oh, my God, we have this incredible, insane Cody Garbrandt and Devison Figueroa are the very first fight on the prelims. That's insane. Uh, What's this main event going to be? Is it going to be Brock Lesnar against the fucking ghost of Bruce Lee? Like, what the fuck's going on? And then, you know, you get get Pereira Hill, and it's like, it's a good fight, but it's not what everyone had built up in their heads. Exactly, and I think that's the whole problem with it, in my opinion, is that, yeah, it's a great fight. We all know it's a great fight, but it's not really a greater fight than the other fights on the card. Yeah, The other fight are all great fights. Like it's, it's on equal footing is they could all be main events, but it like, you know, we were expecting UFC 300 to be the main event. Yeah. They just like, and I mean, absolutely no disrespect to Jamal Hill and Alex prayer. Cause again, I really like the fight, but they kind of got it by, they got it by default. Like they did because they, they had no, like they tried everything to get some other kind of like quote unquote, super fight put together or some, big marquee main event, whether it included Adesanya or DDP or Hamzat, you know, names. When that didn't come together, like, what's the best thing we got out there? Well, Alex Pereira is a pretty good-sized name. Jamal Hill's a former champion. He's coming back from an Achilles tear. Let's throw them in there and let's do it. Because they were, I know for an absolute guaranteed fact, they were planning on putting that fight on the Brazil card in May. A few weeks later, they're just like, let's just do it this way. And we got another, we got a big title fight in the main event. Because they, you know, they tried John Jones. They went every which way trying to get a fight. We know this was not the first choice. Uh, but, again, I don't I don't mind it. It's a good fight. And, dude, the card is insane. Like, I'm so excited to see Kayla Harrison in the UFC. I'm excited to see what Aljamain's going to look like as a featherweight. Armin Sarukin and Charles Oliveira is going to be fucking bonkers. Gaethje and Holloway. Like, dude, like, okay, the main event's not, you know, the greatest fight in the history of the sport, but... I'm fine with the way this whole thing played out. Like I never had it in my head where it had to be this like immeasurable main event that could be never, we'd never be seen again. Uh, I was at UFC 200. I sat in the night when John Jones was in tears when he got pulled from the fight with Daniel Cormier because he tested positive for something. And then they moved Brock Lesnar in the main event. And then that pissed everyone off because it was over a title fight. And so they moved Misha Tate against Amanda. Misha Tate and Amanda Nunes was the main event of UFC 200. People forget that. Like, that's not, that wasn't like the marquee fight. It's because John Jones tested positive and no one wanted Brock Lesnar coming back in a three round fight against Mark Hunt to be the main event. So it ended up being Misha and, and uh, Amanda like this is, this card is better. This is a better card than UFC 200. Yeah. Well, the fact is everybody's going to watch it. Like there's no one that's not going to watch it now because you know, it's Alex prayer and Jamal Hill, but dude, how many five round fights are on this card now? Uh, three, three, five round fights. You got, Pereira, you got Pereira, uh, Hall or Hill, you got Zhang Wei Li and Yan Zhao Nan, and you got Holloway Gaethje. They're all five rounds, and it's a six fight main card too. They're, so it's going to be a fucking long night, dude. Fucking 
Holloway Gagey, <clears throat> we have a hard time seeing that going five rounds. That's for sure, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, women's fight, you kind of never really know what you're going to get there. Uh, Zhang usually shows up and bangs, so that could be a great one. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira, we're not getting five rounds out of no. that. <laughs> if we get two and, rounds, I'd be shocked. <laughs> and we always say that and end up getting five rounds. You know, like we've been surprised uh, many times. That's my biggest fear at this card, right? Is dude, you know as well as I do. When we look at these cards, we're like, dude, that's the fucking card. Look at this fight. And it I'd say 80% of the time it doesn't turn out that way. 20% yeah. of the time we get what we want. And then we look at the other cards, we're like, dude, this is shit. Like, we don't even need to talk about this. And that's where the bangers come in. So, you know, th this is, um, you know, they, they got some good ones on this card. But I find it hard to feel like it's going to live up to expectations that we have. Yeah, I think it, I think cards like this, like this is so stacked, like, the six fight main card, I think as long as we get like two or three bangers out of that, I think, you know, I'm happy. Like I, there's, I just, there's no way. And I know that I'm really jinxing myself saying this. There's no way Holloway Gaethje is not going to be awesome. Like, I don't know if it's going to go a knockout or a decision, but there's no, those two guys do not understand the definition of a boring fight. Like, it's just not going to happen. Now that may end up, there's a possibility that's the only exciting one, maybe, but that's one that you're just like, there is no way that's not going to be fun. Now, can I tell you for sure that Aljamain Sterling is going to, that Aljamain Sterling is going to look amazing at featherweight? I don't know. Like, I can't predict that. And Calvin Cater is a tough matchup. I don't really know. Saruki and Olivera should be a fucking banger. That should be a fucking awesome fight. But again, you just don't know for sure. Like, you can't say with 100% accuracy. So, yeah, anything can happen. Like, I, I said, I don't think Prayer Hill's going past second round. I didn't think Prayer and Teixeira would go past second round. Jamal Hill was beating the piss out of Glover Teixeira. But Teixeira kept sticking around, sticking around, made all five rounds. If you would have asked me after, like, round two of that fight, if it's going all five, I would have said, you're out of your fucking mind. Jamal Hill's beating the hell out of Glover Teixeira. Old man Glover stuck around, didn't go away until it was all over. Uh, his brain health may not thank him for that fight, but he stuck around. So, yeah, you just don't know. Well, the, the when you get these fights like Gagey Holloway, we're like, dude, no fucking way. This isn't the banger of the night, right? This is fight yeah. of the night, fight of the year, et cetera, et cetera. That's when some guy gets a fucking eye poke or a nut <laughs> shot or oh, you know, know. tears the ACL out of nowhere. And you're just like, God damn it, this goddamn sport. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all in all, though, like this card is ridiculous. Like it's a great yeah. card. You know, it's like, it, I just, again, yeah, I mean, people are going to complain no matter what. Like I said, unless they announce Khabib versus George St. Pierre. And even then, I guarantee you, someone has said, oh, one guy's coming out of retirement, the other guy's been fought for four years. People would bitch about that. People are going to bitch no matter what. Like there's always going to be somebody out there complaining. Like, look at UFC 299. That card's absolutely stacked. Like, you got Curtis Blades and, and Jelton Almeida on the freaking prelims. That card's amazing. But there's going to be somebody who will moan and bitch that O'Malley is fighting Cheeto or that Justin right. Poirier is fighting Benoit St. Denis. Someone's always going to complain. Well, what everybody wanted for UFC 300, we already know it. Everybody wanted Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. If yeah. it wasn't that, like, there was going to be complaining. And you know what's funny about that is, is like, Connor is such a superstar and such a name that we forget he's coming off two losses in a row, a broken leg, and he's like one in four in his last five fights, and he's 35. Like, 
I don't know what to expect. And let's just go ahead and get into it because Dana, boy, I tell you what, Matt Brown, I listen, I'm not going to say I always agree with you. We have to disagree. That's kind of the part of the podcast. You can't always agree on everything. But you said, I don't think Connor's ever fighting again. And I never agree with you on that. I, I was like, ah, oh, he'll fight again. He's going to fight again. And then he said, I'm coming back June 29th. And or no, we all thought UFC 300. That didn't happen. I'm coming back June 29th. Then Dana's like, no, that's not happening. Now Dana's like, probably the fall, I hope, the fall. And then Saturday night, like someone's like, is there a chance he never fights again? And, and Dana wouldn't say yes or no. He just said, when you get that kind of money, you don't have to fight. I'm just in the like, And you put up a hilarious message on Facebook, which I absolutely cracked up about because a year ago, you got a knockout, and and he tweeted, Matt Brown tied the record for the all-time knockouts at 13. I got eight knockouts. I'm going to break that record. And you t- you put on Facebook, how's that going for you, bro? A year later, he still hasn't fought. Matt, are you just like the prognosticator of prognosticators? Because you seem to know more than anybody else that Conor McGregor may never fight again. Boy, is it looking like you're about right on this one. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? I, I, I don't think it's a... You know, some mystical fucking, you know, not the shit, bro. The dude's got hundreds of millions in the bank. Like, would you fight if you had hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank? I mean, you know, like I said, that was, in, I mean, he, he did a lot of great things. He, he's, he was an amazing fighter. Um, you know, first to get double he's not getting back to a belt a title ever the only the only reason he would have to come back would be his ego he doesn't need the money it'd be only ego he's not going to get a belt again and he knows that like he's not a dumb person you know he talks a lot of shit and stuff he's not a dumb person he's a very very intelligent person he knows he's not coming back to get a belt ever again so what's the point in coming back and fighting let me ask you what is what is the point let me ask you we're a flip talking, side. We're talking about him and and he's not fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you a flip side of this, Matt, because an argument that we made as as far as money goes is now people say, well, LeBron James is worth more money than Connor and he still plays basketball. But basketball's not fighting. Different animal <laughs> when you're putting a ball in a hoop versus getting punched for a living. But let's talk about Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather has all the money in the world. He kept fighting, and he gets punched in the head for a living, and that's a dangerous sport, very much like MMA. What do you think separated Connor from Floyd Mayweather? Or Mayweather? Now, I'm not talking about Floyd Mayweather now, who's doing exhibition matches where he takes no risk. Like, do we know he's not going to lose to some fucking random dude in Japan and John Gotti the third? That's not a risk. I'm talking about like even at the tail end of his career, he's fighting you know uh, Marcus Maidana or whatever. What do you think separates him from Connor to where he? I mean, he could have walked away and still had hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank, but he kept fighting. Yeah, well, Marcus Medina beat him the first time too. <laughs> yeah, fucking judges didn't call it. Uh, but I think the there's only one gigantic difference, right? Is Floyd is the promoter. Yeah, like he makes. So we. You think okay, just in terms of net worth, say they're both worth 500 mil, Connor and Floyd, which I don't know what their actual net worth is, but you know, just 500 mil. Connor's going to come back and fight for what 10, 15, 20 mil. Floyd can come back and fight, he's making 100 mil. And on top of that, 
Connor's come back. He comes back. He's fighting for the UFC. He's fighting young, hungry fucking lions. Like Chandler's a fucking lion. Floyd comes back. I don't want to put down Floyd, but he had, he's never been a risk taker. He fought. I, I do think he's a great fighter. I think he's one of the greatest. He's not the greatest. Don't even get me fucking started on that <laughs> bullshit. He's not even close to the greatest. Uh, he's maybe like top 10. Um, but anyway, he never took gigantic risks in his career. When you fight in the UFC, every fight is a risk, especially at like Connor's level. Like he's he can't come back and fight like a, a you know a Marcus Medina level guy. You know what I mean? He can't come back and fight a Turo Gotti level guy and make that kind of money, right? Floyd can come back and fight just about anybody and make good money, like like Andre Berto. You know, yeah, like that's not a, that's not a huge risk for Floyd Mayweather. Now, now fighting Pacquiao was risky. Uh, you know, so he came back and he, you know, he showed um, that he is that great of a fighter. But even just coming back in boxing versus coming back and fighting in the UFC are two completely different risks. Like there's always a huge risk. So I think you know, so it's a combination of all those factors, and and Floyd is also a very very special boxer too, and and I think he lives that lifestyle. Whereas I don't think Connor lives the lifestyle necessarily. Like I think he did uh, for a long time, but at this point, he's not living the lifestyle. Like like Floyd's never been a drinker. He runs all the time. Like I know people in Vegas that that uh, live around him and know, you know, don't know him personally, but know him well. And like like he's always working out. He's always in the gym. He's always running. Like he, that's just his life, you know. Whereas Connor, we see what he's doing. Like you don't you don't see Floyd out on the yachts. You're getting blowjobs, right? Like, <laughs> like, like yeah. he's the type that he'd go to his strip club that he owns, get a blowjob, and then run home. You know, <laughs> I so, just it's uh yeah, like the money. Like everyone says, the money. Like people still go with money, but again, I counter that with what I say, which is you know, well, yeah, but again, LeBron isn't getting punched in the head for a living. He isn't risking his leg getting broken. Um, and even, and I would even argue Floyd, like I brought him the Floyd argument. I would argue like, even when he, I'm not trying to, I'm certainly not trying to diminish him. Let me be clear about this. Not trying to diminish him. But when he fought Pacquiao, even that wasn't the same Pacquiao as when Pacquiao was on that run. Like he fought him after he got knocked out. Yeah. He was at the tail end again, not saying it's not impressive. It absolutely is. But like, he was fighting a little different Pacquiao than that Pacquiao was on that streak that looked like he was a fucking world beater. And then he went out on Berto, which that was minimal risk for Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, which was no risk at all and getting paid a hundred million dollars. So Floyd was smart. Like, and Floyd, listen, Floyd gets a lot of shit for whatever it is. 50 cent likes to make fun of him for not being able to read whatever the case you're going to do. Floyd is a smart businessman. He knew better. Like, and now that he's doing these exhibitions, He's fighting Logan Paul in a fight that doesn't matter. Not going to go on his record. Doesn't mean shit. But he's getting paid $100 million and doing huge numbers on pay-per-view because he's smart. He's not risking it now. He's not coming back at 45 and fighting Canelo or fighting fucking Terrence Crawford at this age. Like, he knows better. So, yeah. And, yeah. And, like, Connor's got a lot of money and a lot of fame. And, like you said, it's all ego. And... 
I didn't buy it. I was, I still believed. I was the man saying, no, he's going to fight. Now I'm starting to like lean towards the Matt Brown way of thinking. Like when Dana says, well, maybe the fall. And I'm like, what this like, didn't they do the ultimate fighters like a year and a half ago? Like, what are we waiting on here? Now, the, the, the biggest difference, I think, again, is like, you know, Mayweather's the promoter and he picks the fight. Connor comes back to UFC. He, I'm sure he has a decent, you know, amount of pull and, you know, who he can pick and everything. But like, it's the UFC. Like, there's no good picks. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're a name in the UFC, like, you're a fucking savage. In boxing, like, no one really knew who Andre Berto was. Yeah. You know what I mean? He can, he can come back and make 100 mil and fight him. He's the promoter. He picks the fight. He promotes the fight. He promotes himself. And, <laughs> excuse me. You know, he picks the fight, promotes the fight, and makes 100 mil, you know, selling drinks and tickets and everything, and makes 100 mil for, you know, like you said, uh, an easier fight. Yeah. You know, for full. Connor doesn't have that luxury. Right. Now, if he goes and does his own promotion, which I'm sure he's, you know, contractually not able to do, but if he goes and does his own promotion, like he might make a hundred mil, right? Find some guy like a, you know, maybe a Logan Paul, right? Or, you know, or or something like that, you know, find some guy that's washed up that he knows he's gonna beat or whatever, and maybe he can make a hundred mil too. And, you know, if he was contractually able to do that or had a desire to do that, you know, maybe that there, there's probably a chance that that could happen. But, you know, that, that's it's just so different, you know. And and like he, comparing him with LeBron, like does he make sense? You know, like like basketball is a fun sport. <laughs> you know, like like fighting isn't fun. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. I love it. I'm passionate about it. But what I love about it is that it's not fun. You know, like I'm a glutton for punishment. Like I, I like going in and getting beat up and beating up others. You know, in basketball, like you're just having fun, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's I, um, and and you're right about the competition because like the like the only guy that Connor could come back against that's still a name, that's not the same guy as he once was is like Tony Ferguson, but people would see through that so quickly. Tony's off seven straight losses. Like no one's going to buy into that. Like you can't be Connor is not like Connor can't come back and fight some contender series guy. He may lose the fight because a contender series guy may be young, hungry and just ready to just you know make a name for himself. But you're not going to get him in there against some no name prospect at this level of career. Like, and I'm not saying he can't beat Michael Chandler. I don't know that he can't. Like that's Michael Chandler, you know, allowed like he gets he puts himself into trouble. We talked about this a year and a half ago or whatever it was when he fought Justin Gaethje and we said like does he want to be a champion? Does he want to be Arturo Gotti? Like does he want to go out there and be on a show or does he want to just win fights? Um I think Connor could win that fight, but is it a risky fight? Fuck yeah, it's a risky fight. Look what Michael Chandler does. Like there's risk in that fight. Michael Chandler can knock his head in the third fucking row. Uh so, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, I did not agree with you. I was like, nah, he's going to fight. He's going to be back. It's going to be 300. Oh, it's going to be International Fight Week. Now that Dana's like, I don't know, and him hawing around with people like, is he ever going to fight again? Dana's like, listen, when you have that kind of money, and I'm like, well, shit, maybe you were right. Like, maybe Connor really is never fighting again. Again, I'd ask the question, like, would you fight if you had 500 mil in the bank? <laughs> completely different go out there in boxing or completely different going out and playing basketball, you know, like going to UFC fight is a fucking brutal ordeal. You know? 
yeah. is a fucking brutal sport, bro. And it is not forgiving one bit. You know, and that, and that's you know, credit to the UFC also for building that brand. You know, the, they are the Super Bowl of MMA. You know, I know they have apex cards and stuff that don't always get our dicks hard and everything, but <sighs> the but look, the fact is, you know, when you're at Connor's level, like you're not coming back and and fighting a tune-up fight. Like you're coming back and fighting a fucking killer in Michael Chandler. Yeah. It's also funny we said like in terms of like the like coming back from the injury as well, like the broken leg. I talked to Chris Weidman a couple of weeks ago because he had a similar ish injury. Like his was worse. He had a compound fracture. But I asked him because he I talked to him about coming back in the Brad Tavares fight, and he's like, I was ready. I was ready to go. And I want and he's like, and as soon as I got in there, I couldn't pull the trigger on throwing a kick. It, it, I get it got in my head. Talk about the mentality, right? Like it got in my head. And we were talking about the Connor thing. I was like, because, you know, I said, like, they said during his uh, E60 special they did on him and ESPN, they said this is the hardest injury to come back from. And I talked to you about that. I said, is this the one injury you just never come back the same from? Because Anderson wasn't quite the same guy. And again, Anderson and Weidman are a little older. And I mean, Connor is now too. Connor's 35. He's not fucking 28 doing this. But, um, and, and, I think what I'm getting to the point now is it's not the physicality coming back from an injury like that. It's the mentality. Like Chris Weidman told me, like I was ready to go. I was perfectly fine. I was healthy. I felt great. Got in there and couldn't pull the trigger. Couldn't throw a kick. It fucking freaked me out. Cause I got worried about my leg. Connor's coming back from a very similar injury. His fucking leg snapped and running around like a rubber band on there. Like, is he mentally ready to go back in there and do that to himself again? Like we talk about the physicality of it. Like, are you ready to go back in there and take the risk that your first kick you throw it fucking snaps again. Like there's little things we're not talking about here. Like everyone's like, Oh, he's got, he, you can never have enough money. Yeah. But is the money worth the risk? Is it worth coming back and getting fucking highlighted by Michael Chandler? Is it worth coming back and snapping your leg again and being out? And maybe that really does in your career. Like there's a lot of things that go into this. So again, I disagree with you vehemently up until this past weekend, and when Dana said that shit, I'm like, holy shit, Matt Brown was right. I don't know if Connor's ever going to fight again. And I'm not blaming him. I'm not, like, calling him out saying, man, Connor, you're this. No, dude, he's got all the money in the world. You're absolutely right. Like, why now, would you? Here's – I got a uh, favor to ask you. So we got to take this little clip here, and this will be the social media post. But I want you to re screen record you going back – and re-saying what you just said, the the Matt Brown was right part. <laughs> you were right. You were I'm right. No, you were right. You were absolutely because listen. But it, I might not still be right. I mean, he could prove us all wrong. Look, I, I mean, the the biggest issue I see is okay. Like like Chris Weidman's a dog, and I think he's the type. He's in the gym all the time, right? That's what it's going to take to build that confidence back, right? Chris Weidman is that guy. He's he's you know a wrestler. I know his old wrestling coach Tom Ryan, right? Uh, he coached him at Hofstra. You know, said nothing but great things about how tough he is, how strong willed he is, how strong minded he is. He said he told me he was going to be a champion uh, when Chris Weidman first got in the UFC, right? So we know the lifestyle he lives, and that's how to be able to get over that mindset of you know, being scared to pull the trigger. That's what it's going to take. Now we see the lifestyle that Connor's living. 
uh, presumptuously, right? We, we think we know what he's doing. He, he might just be posting on social media, him doing weird parties and stuff, but actually training in the gym all day. I assume that's he's being truthful in his social media personally. That's not going to help his confidence coming back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I don't... like, like versus Chris Wyman being, you know, a, a dog in the gym every day, you know, and he's coming back having those mental issues. Whereas, you know, Connor living the lifestyle he's living, that's not going to help his mentality if, if he were to actually come back. Yeah, it's interesting because, like I said, everyone's got different reasons for fighting. I never fault someone for fighting for money. It is prize fighting. I never fault someone for just wanting to become a champion. Everyone's got their own reason. But at this point, as you said, I don't really know what Connor's fighting for. Like, is it? And I think you're right. I think it's ego at this point. Like, it's just the ego of like not wanting to let it go, right? Like, he doesn't want to go out that way. He doesn't want the last memory of him being him on the cage floor with his leg in a splint and Joe Rogan sitting down beside him, being like, "What happened?" I'm sure that's not the way he wants to be remembered in his career. Because at his best, Conor McGregor was absolutely one of the best guys in this sport. He was a fucking savage. He was one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world but that was 2016 that was eight years ago like it's hard to remember when he beat eddie alvarez he fucking just absolutely decimated eddie alvarez that was eight years ago eight years that's a long time i just again i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna say 100 percent certain like he'll never fight again i can't say that but I'm definitely leaning more towards your reasoning now when you said it like a year ago. Like, I don't think Connor's ever going to fight again. Even back then, it's like, come on, Matt. Like, there's no way. We're still here a year after they started filming The Ultimate Fighter, and he still isn't. Not only is he not back, we have no idea when he's coming back. It's not like he's been booked and, like, dropped out of fights or been booked and the date changed. He's not even been booked. Like, we can all speculate. He can announce June 29th. It was never official. Like, they never said it was done. You said that. So... I don't know, man. Like, I'm just at the point now where I'm like, I don't know. And to boot, we don't have USADA anymore. I don't I don't know if the UFC anti-doping thing keeps tally of who's getting tested, how often, but I know we had that with USADA. And yeah, um, I don't know if he ever got tested under USADA, uh, but at least we had that to say, okay, he's in the pool, right? So there is yeah. a chance. I don't know if they even have that now. They do. There is testing. I see there ain't the results. He's gotten tested twice this year, so he's been tested, at least based on what they're showing us. Here's my last question. We'll get out of here on this. I got to ask you this question, because tonight, Michael Chandler, while we were recording, Michael Chandler went on Monday Night Raw on WWE and called out Connor. What that's worth, I don't know. Uh, I understand. I've backed Michael Chandler every step of the way. I get why you wait because that Connor payday is real. You're not gonna make. You're not gonna. You're not gonna fight Armin Saruki. And no offense, Armin Saruki. You're not gonna make Saruki and money versus Connor money. I understand. And Chandler's in a financial position now, after Gaethje and Poirier and all these other fights, where he can afford to sit and wait. But now Chandler's coming up on November. Will be two years since he fought. At what point does he have to move on? Because he can't, I mean, he's at literally, he's, I mean, Chandler's at the tail end of his career. He's 37, I think, 36, 37. Like, he's not 28 doing this. I mean, there's got to be a point where you just got to say, I got to move on. Now, I understand right now you wait because you're still hoping that they're going to book a date in September, October, whatever. But at what point is Michael Chandler, do you finally just say, I got to move on? I got to do something else. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't already, personally. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's 
a great bites out there for him. There's a lot of fucking, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't, to be honest. But I never thought about Michael Chandler in WWE. He would actually be a really great fit over there, wouldn't he? He would, except he's 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 a little too little for what they do in WWE. They're they're much like WWE likes big guys. Like they need you to be like six foot, six two. Like they're not really attuned to like the smaller guys. And Chandler's like five eight, so. I don't know if he would really fit in like the bigger, like he would, I remember like watching, like when you see fighters stand next to WWE guys, like Triple H standing next to Connor, like Connor looks like a, you know, freaking you know, highest, like a middle schooler next to those guys. Cause that's just, they're just all muscled up six foot three guys. So, but yeah, no, but I mean, listen, I get it, man. Like I get why he wants this fight and it sucks for Michael Chandler. He's the guy I hurt for the most of this whole thing. You got promised Connor, you did a season of the ultimate fighter. We all thought they were going to fight in like August of last year. And here we sit all these months later, basically a year after they filmed the show and it's still no closer to being a done deal. Now you're getting Dana saying, I don't know. He's rich. He may not want to fight, blah, blah, blah. Like I feel for Michael Chandler, but at some point, man, like I don't think you should move on quite yet. Cause if they're really hoping that this fall actually happens, I guess you stick around. But at some point, man, you got to move on. Like just, you know, it's like, it's, it's like the band that opened for Nirvana. Like at some point you got to move on and open your own show. Like you can't just stick around and be the band that opened for Nirvana. Like you gotta be the, you gotta move on. Yeah. Like I said, I'm surprised he hasn't already. I think he loves the fight and I love watching him fight. So, uh, man, I'm, there's a lot of great matchups out there for him. Let's see it, bro. Let's go. Well, let's also be honest, Matt. Like Chandler's got to know Connor's a winnable fight. It's a big ass payday, and it's a winnable fight. Like it's all the right, it's all the right pieces for a great moment. Like he can go out there and highlight real Connor McGregor and make ten million dollars. Like that's why you wait. I get it, but at some point, you know, bills start piling up. You better start thinking about you know, fucking Oliveira or Matush Gamrod or somebody else out there because you're not gonna be away for Connor forever. Yeah, I think. He- I know he's got a couple businesses over in Nashville. I think he's probably doing pretty well for himself. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine. But, but yeah, I mean, if he wants to fight, like, Connor ain't the guy, I don't think. Yeah, well, we'll see. But we got a lot more to talk about. UFC 299 coming up in a couple weeks. Sean O'Malley, Gita Vera, Dustin Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis this weekend. We got the UFC Mexico City card and the PFL versus Bellator cards. There's some fun stuff happening there. Uh, Matt Brown, where can people check you out if they want to support you and what you got going on? At I am the immortal on social media, Twitter and Instagram at the immortal coffee, no crash coffee. Let's go. As always, we appreciate everyone that tunes into the show. Uh, make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. And uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the fighter versus the writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.